Hi there, and welcome to this week's Jersnet Weekly Podcast. Hi there, and welcome to this week's weekly Jersnet podcast. Uh, it's the first time we've been back in a couple of weeks. Obviously, there was an international break there, but we, we missed the, the Motherwell game. Uh, we had some technical hitches that <laughs> we'll not go into, but we're back. We're back tonight. Uh, we're going to have a wee look at the Livingston game at the weekend, a good weekend for Rangers, good result for Rangers, and other results went in our favour also. We'll have a wee look at the big night of European action at Ibrox on Thursday against Villarreal. We'll have a sneak preview of that and we'll also do a wee round-up. You know, there's been one or two things happening since we've been away, so we'll cover that as well. Uh, joining me tonight, uh, I've got the two Davids. I've got David Fraser. How are you doing, David? Good evening, Colin. Not too bad, thanks. Yourself? Not bad, not bad. Missed you on Saturday. I know, I know. I know, that's, that's my fault. I, I've, my phone was uh, out of commission, so I didn't... Uh, I couldn't phone anybody on the fly, so therefore I missed you guys, but hopefully we'll meet up the next day. Uh, to bring the listeners up to speed, the, some of the Jersnet guys met up for some daytime drinking on, on Saturday there before the game, uh, and David was there, but we, we, we managed to miss one another. Uh, someone who wasn't there, though, because he was over in, in Germany, is David Thomason or Pete. How are you doing, Pete? Yeah, doing fine, thanks. Sitting here in front of the wog fire to keep warm, so we've not got 38 degrees outside anymore. Ah, uh, well, see. <laughs> comes, comes to the best years. Uh, <laughs> so when are you coming over for some daytime drinking? Well, I'll be over at Christmas, so the 23rd, I'll be I'll be hitting the, the runway at Glasgow Airport. Right, so that's 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 a time for me and David Fraser and all the rest of us to go the other direction. To Germany, yeah. <laughs> to dodge <laughs> me in a pub. <laughs> Christmas markets at Uber are pretty good here, so we'll go about the twenty third, I think that'll be a good time to do it. Oh, I think you'll yeah. miss them all by then. They're all round about the seventh, eighth of December. Yeah. The Germans yeah. are crazy that way. They've they've, <laughs> they've got all this there's Christmas stuff out already. Well, to be fair, Peter, I wasn't being entirely serious. I'm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, right, we'll get on to it. We'll go on to the Livingston game. Obviously, a very good performance. Well, not a good performance, a good result by Rangers. Kind of iffy performance. Got the early goal with Candias. Corner kick, a good corner kick from young Glenn Middleton. Got 1-0. But then after that, it went a wee bit flat at, at times. <sighs> and then it, it kind of took Morelos to come on to sort of, you know, liven us up again and, and secure the win sort of late on. But, you know, with other results going the way they were, obviously Hearts, eh, they were on the end of a, a defeat. Aberdeen were beat also, you know, we're starting to cement ourselves in that sort of second spot and obviously we can go top next week. Celtic are on League Cup duty. If we win at Tynecastle, we'll go top. So overall, a, a very positive weekend for Rangers. Uh, David, I'll come to you first. What was your thoughts on overall performance on Saturday? I thought the performance was pretty flat, Colin. Um, I'd like to think that the the lads were saving themselves for Thursday. But um, obviously, as you've pointed out there, the the overwhelming uh, positive to be taken from the the weekend's work was was another three points. Uh, Another clean sheet, which was was, uh, quite handy as well. And obviously, as you said there, results went our way and we've... We've got an opportunity to go top uh, next weekend because Celtic are playing in the League Cup final against Aberdeen. So um, I thought the, the, some players played okay. Um, 
some less so, but I think uh, without you know going down to the, the same old route again, I thought we were quite um, we were quite lacking in, in chance creation yet again. I think it's it's, it's well known, it's well um, it's a well stated case. You know, they were, were maybe lacking a wee bit of creativity in certain areas of the pitch, but credit to the, the lads that they stuck at it, and when Alfie came on, he obviously relieved the pressure by sticking away that second goal. So. I credit my credit's due. They, they brought the three points home, and that's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I think, you know, I think championships are, are, are kind of won on performances like that. You know, you don't play particularly well. You just get through it. Obviously, you can't play well every week, but I, I, I do agree with you in terms of, you know, the creativity stuff. I think we've found, found it tough against teams that sit in, and, you know, we need to try and break them down. I think the first goal always helps, but it's always good to get that second goal, you know, and then that's that, that's it. You're, you're sort of cementing the win at that point. But I, it was a it was a hard watch at times on Saturday, I must admit. But three points, and it, it really does set us up quite good for, for for Sunday against Hearts. You know, get the three points there. We're in a we're in a really strong position. Pete, coming to you, uh, Stevie G sort of changed things on Saturday with the starting lineup. Uh, he rested Morelos, uh, started Bolafferty up front. He gave Gareth McCauley his first start. What did you make uh, the, the team selection for Stevie G? Well, I thought McCauley was probably one of the contenders for man of the match. Uh, the way he just he, he ruled everything he, he, and he was also helping uh, Connor Golson. So I really thought he had a great game. A lot of people say, were saying Ryan Jack didn't have a good game, but I really thought Ryan Jack had a, a really good game. In fact, it was... Another one that could be down for man of the match for me. Oh, well, I, um, think he got, I think he got the, the man of the match on the day at, 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 the, at the game, you know, when they announced it. Yeah, right? the sponsors man of the match, yeah. he won that, yeah. But um, one thing, we, I think we started the first couple of minutes okay, but then they, they get such a big chance. And I was looking at it today, I even posted a, a picture of it on the site. Um, the ball got cleared uh, out. And a guy had a shot at goal, and there was three uh, Livingston players right in front of the goal. There wasn't a Rangers player near them, and Andy Halliday, he was stuck in his six-yard line, playing everybody onside. And the guy turned round and hit it just past the post. Thank, thank goodness it was a centre half. It was a if it was a forward, that would have been in the net. I actually and think it, I had the post, Peter. I think it grazed the uh, the, post. the post as it went by. It was McGregor's right-hand post, yeah. Yeah, but that was really shocking defending, and I think that's something that because that's not the first time that something like that's happened. I think they really need to look at that. Um, then I think Rangers came into it um, for the the rest of the half. I think we sort of dominated it for the rest of the half, but in the second half, Livingston they pushed uh, their their wing backs further up the park. That was Gallagher, is it? I think you call them. He was pushed further up the park, and then they they, they they sort of started dominating us. And then it wasn't until Morelos came on that, that we started to, uh, to to take the full initiative, and with that, you know, he changed the game. So, um, and obviously for the the, the the team, yeah, you've got. I would have Morelos in every game, whether whether he's whether we're making changes or not making changes I think Morelli should be the first game first name on the list 
Um, but uh, yeah, the other one was Gresda. I was a bit surprised he wasn't in the team. Um, especially, yeah, I think Candias might be in for for uh, Thursday. So I was really expecting Gresda to be playing for that one. But all in all, it's a, it's a win. And um, although it was a wee bit of a struggle at times, especially, in, as I said, in the second half. But we'll, we'll see what team he puts out on Thursday. I, I, I mean, I, as much as Livingston had a wee bit more possession in the second half for sort of 15, 20 minutes, I can't really recall a big save that McGregor had to make, you know. So I just think sometimes when it's one nothing and Rangers only performing as well as you want them to perform, you sometimes feel a wee bit more under pressure than is actually the case. I just, I just think they were, were starting to gain a, a wee bit of momentum, and you know, and that's when the crowd starts getting nervy. But I can't, I can't recall McGregor really having a big save to make. So I, I don't know if it was as uncomfortable as we all thought. I think it just felt that way because we hadn't got the second goal. David, Pete, Pete mentioned there uh, McCauley, you know, it was his first start at Ibrox. I thought he played very well. What about yourself? How, how do you think he, he settled into the game? He showed all his experience, Colin, as you'd expect. Um, a decent player, Gareth. Um, I'm probably going to upset the, the Apple cat here slightly and say um, I hope I'm wrong in what I'm about to say here, but I think up against somebody fast up front, I think we could be in trouble where he's concerned. I only hope that he may be, obviously because he's aged, but they, they can have senior partner in the, the back too and, and have a, a faster guy around about him to cover him, whether that be Goldson, which is looking to be the case long term possibly, or Karachi, uh, because Joe Worrell, he's not exactly fast. Um, but I played well. Um, He's got, as I say, he's got that experience. He's, he's kind of marshalling the team. When they come on against Motherwell there a, a couple of Sundays back, he actually, he told guys to go forward uh, when he didn't need guys to, to hang back because they were only marking one, one man up front. So, yeah, his experience will be invaluable. I, and I'm kind of, I'm a wee bit um, undecided about how effective all our centre-halves are when it comes to, to winning the ball in the air. I'd like to see more dominance. I think, I mean, when you average out between the, the four of them, I think they're maybe at the best, only winning maybe 52, 53% of balls in the air. I'd like to see those those figures going northwards a wee bit more towards 60%. Then I'd feel a wee bit more assured. you seen there on Saturday, there was a few, few balls coming into the box where we should be getting on the end of some of these uh, crosses and our centre-halves or defenders for that matter didn't um, and I think long term that may well come back to bite us but hopefully I'm wrong on that one and, and uh, you know, the, the, the players you know they, they can every player and I'll, I'll leave Gareth out of this because he's just coming in the team but every player can be excused at that form during the season so hopefully they all collectively hit form at the one time and we can go on a run a game especially over this busy uh, pre-Christmas schedule before the winter break and start racking up some points and some good results. Yeah, I, I, would, I would probably agree with some of what you're saying there. I, I thought we looked quite assured at the back, early doors, especially in Europe. You know, we took some, you know, some heavy fire in Europe and, you know, we, we coped with it well. But I agree, recently we have looked a wee bit more fragile. I think one who's, who's looked, I, I mean, I know he's getting played out of position 
uh, at left back. But one thing Flanagan always was was solid in the tackle, and he won his fair share of headers. I can't really say he's doing that now. Uh, and the, the centre defensive thing, I'm just about to cover and I repeat, uh, there does seem to be an issue there because you know it was it was Goldson and Katich to start with, and the two of them looked solid. Then Worrell came in, and you know there just seems to be a lot of to and fro in that position now, where, where we seem to have a settled two at the start of the season. So, Pete, coming to you on that, do do you think? Uh, do you, do you wonder if Gerard's maybe tinkering about with his back four too much at times? Well, in the, at the start, I was a big Cattage fan, so I, I really was pretty surprised when Cattage gets sort of a drop to, to the bench. And then Worrell came in. No, I, I'm not a great fan of Worrells, to be honest with you. I, I posted on the, the Jers net of the week. He's one of these players, He's I believe he's six foot four or something like that. But he, he jumps about five foot ten. He seems to have a way to sort of a ring in his neck and ends up like uh, Forrest or a Celtic with no neck. So he just uh, he just doesn't seem to be able to head the ball very good. Um, and that's where Macaulay, I, I thought he was really dominant uh, at the weekend. Uh, and I don't know what's wrong with Cattage. Cattage isn't the same player we bought. He's, uh, he's, he's just sort of a... Can, can lost form or confidence or whatever he's whatever he's done. Yeah, I would agree. Cattage has. I, 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 I've heard some fans sort of raise the the criticism that he was fine until Gerard dropped him because I was a wee bit surprised when Warrell came in. I think he came in at the Villarreal game, the first Europa League game. I think everybody was a wee bit surprised that he'd sort of made you know his, his debut in that night because Cattage had been quite solid up until that point. And now the the, the off seal all over the place. I mean that defensive performance in Moscow a couple of weeks back was was comical at times. You know, every one of them was was guilty of something outrageous on the night. So I don't know. I just I, I just always feel, especially your centre half pairing, I always feel a, a a team should have a spine, should have a solid goalkeeper, two centre halves, a solid centre midfielder that's going to dominate that part of the park. And a, a centre forward that's going to get you 20, 25 goals a season. I just think if you're thinking about your two centre halves in particular, it can it can pose you problems. Well, the way uh, Macaulay played at the weekend, I, I wouldn't have any hesitation to even to play him on Thursday night because he, he even looked quite good over the ground. He didn't. He certainly doesn't look slow to me. And I I I, I would definitely have. Him. Although I know the the Villarreal, although we've gone to them later. And I know their forwards are, are all pretty uh, small and, and quick forwards. They're not, not sort of a big, the ones that they'll be punting balls up to. I think Davey Weir showed in his time at Rangers that, you know, if, if you're good positionally, then I'm not saying you won't always avoid, you know, being one-on-one with a, with a quick striker. I can't really recall a time when Davey Weir was, was, was done for pace. The way they played, I think Rangers sat a wee bit deeper. He obviously had uh, Baguera next to him who could, could cover him at times. And Davy Weir positionally, and you just he just knew where to be. He could read the game. And I've got a wee bit of that for Macaulay on Saturday. He just knew where to be and could read the game. So I think it could be a problem, for, you know, the lack of pace and his age and stuff like that. But I don't think it's too much to be worried at, at the moment. Uh, David, coming back to you, <laughs> I know I've spoke about him before, but obviously Morelos had a big impact when, when he came on on... Saturday there, 
given how sort of flat we looked up until he came on, is it now the case that we're maybe just a wee bit too reliant on him at times? I would say so. He's, you saw on Saturday, I mean, Kyle Lafferty, he tried manfully. Stevie Gerrard gave him gave him some credit for, for running the, the Livingston centre-halves. Uh, I don't know so much about Ragged, but, you know, he said he gave him a game and tired them out. So for when Alfredo came on, it was, you know, he could use his, his pace and power to, to, um, to good effect when he, when he came out of the pitch. I would say we are over a line on him. Um, you saw in the, the League Cup semi against Aberdeen how much we missed him. And it, as I say there, on, on Saturday he comes on, um, literally within seconds of, of him coming on, he, he took the ball in, he was back to goal, turned, played a ball out wide and, and started a move. And not to say that, you know, Kyle Lafferty wasn't trying that during the game, but it just it seemed as if there was, there was more impetus in the team. There was more of a, you know, a a focal point that the, the players, certainly uh, James Tavern here, um, seemed to be more comfortable with. And, and you saw that with the, the Alfie's goal where James fed him and uh, Alfie just takes the ball and, and pulls into the along 18-yard line and, and, and steers a, a left foot shot into the, into the net and takes all the pressure off us. Because, you know, you, you were sat there, you mentioned there that it maybe wasn't as, as uh, fraught with danger as, as it might have appeared, you know, at first viewing. But... Certainly, when you're sitting on the ground, you're thinking they could got the park here and possibly nick one, and then we've, we've shipped another couple of points. But thankfully, it didn't happen, and, and Alfie played a big, a big part in that. So, going forward, I'd like to think that, that Stevie's got hopefully a card up his sleeve because, as, as we've talked about at length in, in previous pods, I don't see you, Marcedic, being here uh, in the second half of the season. So, we're going to need to get a striker in that's going to be able to come in and take some of the pressure off Alfie, especially. In, in, and uh, Kyle Lafferty as well. Pete, uh, Morelos was booked again on 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 Saturday. What was your what was your views? Was it a, a tactical an, an act of tactical genius in terms because he, he misses the Dundee game now? Was it another sign that the standard of the referee in this country is a, a bit of a joke, or was it a bit of both? Well, I don't think he done it intentionally. To be honest, uh, as somebody that lives abroad, uh, I know how difficult it is to try and communicate with people when when you can't speak the language. And one of the things to do is to go into a shell and run away instead of turning around and trying to talk. And I, I think that's that's a big problem on his uh, that's wrong with, with Morelos. And I don't think the referees are understanding that. Obviously, the referees have never, ever lived abroad. And I, I certainly know I had a lot of trouble with it in the beginning. Um, are the referees terrible in Scotland? Well, I think that's proven itself. As far as I know, I've heard that, and I couldn't see it myself, but Morelos threw his hand in the air twice on the way to the referee and away, the way away from the referee. But um, if we're going to get booked for blowing kisses, throwing your arm up in the air, how many players are going to get booked every year? And why is it just Rangers that are getting booked for these things? I mean, there's plenty of players throw their arm up in the air and... and uh, do other different signs that, that that are not getting booked. Another thing was with with, with Walsh, Nick Walsh. Um, there was a, he booked Ryan Jack because he, he he's foot high and nearly kicked somebody, which which I believe was round about his chest. And then about five minutes later, the Livingston player. Yeah, there was an identical incident, and he never booked him. Yeah, 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 and that's a. Uh, 
the, the yeah, the, it just shows you that Rangers are sort of a, not getting treated the same way as other teams are getting treated. I mean, on the Morelos one, I, I mean, I couldn't believe he got pulled over in the first place. But part of me does wonder, you know, I, I think any coaching staff worth their salt would be saying, you know, if you get booked today, it's a Dundee game you're missing. That's the game. We wouldn't mind you missing. Because he threw his hands up in the, the first instance and the referee sort of let him go with it. And then he done it again. And I just kind of thought, I don't know, I just kind of crossed my mind that maybe he was pushing for it just to, that's it, it gets him out of the road. You know, we've got a lot of big games. We've got Hibs twice home and away. Yeah, we've got Aberdeen at home. We've got St. Johnson away. We've also got Celtic at home. We've got Hearts next week. Out of all the games in December, you know, probably Dundee or Hamilton at home, I think it is, they would be the two games you wouldn't mind missing them. So part of me did think, you know, maybe he's just saw an opportunity and took it. Can I come in there again, Colin? Just one statistic that I've picked up uh, the last few days, that Celtic's foul per game ratio is 11.36 per uh, yellow card for every foul. Or, or sorry, fouls for every yellow card. And Rangers are sitting on six, almost a half. Surely that can't be just that Celtic have less fouls or surely there must be something in that, that Rangers are, are getting penalised with yellow card for fouls that other teams aren't. Well, I think the two of the individual mentioned, Ryan Jack and, and Morelos, have a reputation. Why they have a reputation... Is another thing, you know, you, you look at uh, James McFadden commenting on uh, Morelos today, I mean, his comments were outrageous, you know, in sports scene last night, they never focused on the fact that Morelos got pulled over when he hadn't done anything wrong, they focused on the fact that he was frustrated at that and he got booked, so, you know, he's got a reputation, but why has he got a reputation? That's a question that people need to ask, and there's, there's wee things happening that, you know, your Michael Stewart's and various other pundits out there are deliberately missing, you know, and it's the same with Ryan Jack, you know, there's stuff going on with him that people don't, don't uh, take issue with, but when it's him and it's when Morelos, they always mention it. So, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with what you're saying, but it's why that's the case. I think that, that, that we need to ask the question. Do you not think that these these referees, well, some of them beaten um, the one Nick Walsh yesterday, they've been fast-tracked into the, the, the top grade. They've missed a whole lot of the sort of a build-up to the top grade. Maybe there's something in that, that they're just not ready yet for the for this level. Or maybe they're all Celtic supporters, who knows. Guys, all you need to do is look at the, the, the fouls per yellow card stats in Europe. Um, when you compare Celtic and Rangers, Celtic are, are, are more or less um, refereed to, to a similar standard to Rangers. The, the stats bear that out. Yet in Scotland, Celtic um, seem to get favourable treatment from referees. The Rangers are kind of they're up in the, the kind of top um, five or six sides in the league when it comes to the, the disciplinary count. So, I there's there's definitely. Um, there's definitely evidence to suggest that the Rangers are refereed to a different standard to, to certain other teams in the league. Incidentally, with regards to Ryan Jack, I thought it was Scott Arfield to get booked for, for the high boot. But yeah, you mean you're, you're mentioning there about, about Nick Walsh and his inconsistencies. I mean, it's, it's not the first time he's he's um, he's refereed to a, to a shocking standard at Ibrox. And uh, Saturday's game is just another instance of how poor 
uh, in general terms, he is as a referee. Right, moving on away from Saturday and on to uh, this Thursday's game at Ibrox. Another big European night under the lights. Great to have these nights back at Ibrox. I must admit, I'm really looking forward to Thursday. Villarreal, Spanish opposition. As I said, it's it's really it's made my season actually having this uh, having these sort of nights back at Ibrox. So yeah, I'm really really looking forward to it. Pete, I'll come to you first. How do you feel about our chances on Thursday? Well, look at look at I watched uh, Villarreal first half last night and. They didn't look very good, to be honest. Uh, I, I believe they're, they're okay going forward, but their defence looks in a shambles every time the ball comes near it. And I sort of noticed that behind the the the, the, the backs, they, they seem to be very easily to turn the backs. So I think of the likes of uh, Candias, uh, Middleton, I would play Middleton. Uh, they're really good at... Uh, they're really not very good in behind the backs. They leave a lot of space there. So uh, if you look at the, the, the first leg, the way we played there, and the way we've played all the games really up to now at home, then I don't see any uh, reason that we can't beat them. Yeah, I would agree. But I, I, I also think there's got to be a sense of realism as well. I mean, our, our record against Spanish teams is not the best. Looking at some of the, the the stats yesterday when I was when I was going through it all, everything points to this game being a draw. So, but hopefully I'm wrong. I, I, I think if we just, I think if we put in a similar performance that we put in against Rapid Vienna, I, I think we we might just, you know, might just sneak it. Uh, David, you know, Villarreal are also currently on a, a decent unbeaten run away from home in the Europa League. They've went ten games. Has it been? Uh, beat away from home. They've won three of those, drawn seven. Uh, their last defeat was actually against Rapid Vienna in 2016. Is this going to be a night of a wee bit, like I said, the Rapid Vienna game, being patient and just, you know, ensuring we take our chances when they come along? Or should we just go flat out for the win? Should we just say, right, they're here, let's go for it? Well, we've obviously got the, the benefit of having played them already this season, so we're, we're not going into it as, you know, where our eyes completely closed, so to speak, from a playing perspective. So, um, you know me, Colin, you've asked me a question like that before with regards to Rapid. Um, I would I would set the team up to win the game. I think Stevie Gerrard will, will do that. You've got, to, you've got to take time to actually see um, how the opposition is going to play. Um, I'm not saying you lie off them and, and you know let them dictate the game. I, I'm fully on board with, with trying to go for it. As you've mentioned there, I alluded to, I mean, Spanish football is arguably the best standard of football in, in European football. So, I um, mean, even though that Villarreal are, are currently lying 16th in La Liga and they've got a goal difference of minus one, which would suggest that, you know, that they're, they're struggling to score and keep uh, goals out of the other end, um, I would I would go for it. I think there's an opportunity there. It's a final uh, group match at home. Uh, I hope that the, the fans can generate a real atmosphere. I know that the rapid game, you know, a lot of fans thought it was a, a magic atmosphere, and it was a it was a great atmosphere. But I'd like to think that the that the twelfth man, uh, being the Rangers support, can take it up a couple of notches for this one and uh, and get the lads motivated. I'm sure Stevie and, and Gary and the, uh, Michael and, and Tom will have the, the lads fired up. I think the players will be fired up themselves and. 
And uh, I just hope that we can get an early goal and hopefully build on that and, and basically kind of set the tempo and not let them breathe. If, if we give them time in the ball, you know, you, you've seen Villarreal already this season. They're, they're, they're technically very adept. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll knock the ball about Santi Cazorla. They'll look to get him in the ball and he'll run into that inside forward position and trying to play we neat balls through to Gerard Moreno if he's assuming he's playing. So I, I think it's all about setting the tempo and hopefully getting an early goal and we can build on that. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about the atmosphere there. I, I, I have to say, maybe it's just because it's been so long since I had a night like that, but especially towards the end, you know, when Tav's goal went in and, you know, it was just it was so exciting towards the end. I thought the the, the Rapid Vienna game, the, the atmosphere was really good. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't a Leeds United, you know what I mean? I, I've, I've had a few really big nights at Ibrox that, you know, really stuck in the mind. Parma is another one, you know, the place was just rocking that night. But I think because we hadn't had those nights for a while, it was really good. I actually felt that the Spartak game was a bit flat. I felt the atmosphere went quite flat quite early on. Uh, and I would hope, I would agree with you that on, on Thursday night, that we, even when, you know, because there are going to be periods in the game when it, you're thinking, oh, this isn't, this isn't looking good. You know, just keep going and keep plugging away and keep getting behind them and, and keep generating that noise because I do think it makes a difference. I do think it lifts players over the line sometimes when games are nick and tuck. As you say, the twelfth man can have that. You know, a, a, a sort of a major impact on the game. I uh, no doubt they can. I mean, if the fans can help them something the ball into the net, Colin. I know. I know. Well, if we, if, if if what I was meaning there was um. We, I take your point. The atmosphere towards the you know the end of the, the rapid game was excellent, but I'm I meaning about uh, you know maybe the fans start chanting, singing, maybe a good quarter, twenty minutes, quarter an hour before the kick off, and, and really get it bouncing so that you know yeah. the, the players can hear it in the t- the changing rooms and, and they're thinking we're going to a cauldron here. And I just I, I, I'm sure that the fans will, will play their part, but I just hope that you know there's maybe just a a wee spark of electricity in the ground and. and the guys and girls travelling into the into the, the ground on Thursday night that we can really set the tone and, and get it going and, and really show Villarreal what we're all about. Basically. Yeah, you'd have to say this is going to be the best team that's come to Ibrox so far this season. You know, Aye. Aye, so, so uh, technically speaking, it's the biggest game at home so far. So yeah, I would I would I would hope that you know the, the, the supporters turn it up a notch and uh, I'm as I said, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, just going to be one of those nights, I think. Pete, uh, key players, who do you think might have a, a big impact on the night? The first name on the, 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 the team sheet, and you're probably going to think Morales, but no, McGregor. I think uh, I, I don't see Villarreal not getting chances, so I think McGregor's got to be on top for him. And normally he is, so I'm not worried about that really. Uh, no, the second one is Morelos. He's a so important player for us. Um, and I, I just said that Middleton, uh, I would play Middleton, but then I'm thinking now what I said about getting in behind defenders. And Candias is, uh, and, and Tavernier together, they're, they're really good at getting in behind defenders. So I might go for that one and put um, Gresda played really good for Albania in the left wing. And it, it, it turned Patterson left and right. Patterson didn't know which way he was going, so that's another option. But I would certainly pick my team anyway to to try and get in amongst the defence. 
the only thing with having Middleton in the team is his uh, corners and his uh, free kicks uh, pinpoint and, and really, really dangerous. He had a good few balls at the weekend that are just put in perfectly to the right place. I think even just uh, from open play, he put one in yesterday that we had about three or four shots at goal after it, but just because it had so much panic. So I think they're, I think they're the, the, the key ones. And I think Ryan Jack um, supporting the back four, I think it'll be a, a, a big uh, game for him as well. I, I agree with Middleton. I, I think Middleton's not quite been as dynamic recently. You know, at the start of the season, he was really getting past players. I think, I'm thinking of the home game, sorry, the away game at Villarreal, the away leg, you know, when he set up Lafferty, you know, just played a brilliant pass down for, for, for Barisic. You know, it, it, in the early games, he was really going past players and causing problems. I think now he's just, he's more, as you say, pinpointing stuff. You know, so he's standing three or four yards off players and just delivering really good, really good balls. But I really like to see him sort of attacking players again because I, I just think that's fell away from his game recently. I would probably start Middleton because Tav's set pieces recently have been have been pretty poor, and I think that could be quite an important part of the game. You know, for for sending in good quality deliveries at corner kicks and free kicks, and as I said, Tav the Spartak Moscow game it was horrific. And there's been a couple of games since then, and it's just not really been up to scratch. Whereas I think Middleton's caused a wee bit more problems. So yeah, I would probably agree with you on that. Uh, Morelos as well. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree that he's got a, a big part to play on the night. David, coming back to you again. No, it's a really tight group. There's only there's only two points separate all, all four teams in the group. We can't qualify on Thursday, but if we lose to Villarreal and Spartak win, then we can we can exit the tournament. So is this a must-win game, or do you think a draw could still give us a chance coming into the last game? Obviously, a, a draw. Um, if, if, we, if we get a draw, it's obviously it depends on the other result. It's it's, it's hard to, to put your, your finger on it because you've got to factor a bit of realism into the into the equation. We are where we are. We've, we've We've kind of overachieved as a squad this season in terms of uh, Europa League. But when you look at the, the two games against Spartak, I would argue that that was, that was five points chipped away, Colin. If we had a wee bit more belief in taking our chances at Ibrox, I think we would have beaten Spartak. Um, even allowing for the fact that they kind of they played well and contained us, in a sense. Um, I thought the real opportunity was over in Moscow. Really oh, well, I was just coming to that. I mean, it's the, the, to, to, to lose four goals away from home, you know, you, you can't expect to be doing anything in Europe if you're, if you're shitting that amount of goals. Um, obviously, you know, circumstances went against us when uh, Alfie had a, a perfectly good goal uh, chopped off, which would obviously would have changed the complexion of the game. But uh, to get back to, your, to answering your question, you know, the, the, the kind of the old school Rangers fan in me says, you know, we should be going to, to win the game. It's at home. We've more or less got a full complement of players to choose from. I'm going to slightly disagree with you guys. I think Eris Gresda might play for the start. Uh, I think this could be a game for him to to, um, to show what he's all about. He's, as Stevie's mentioned, he's basically completed his pre-season training and you're now seeing a, a fully fit Eris Gresner. So he's got a wee bit more experience than Glenn Middleton. I think Glenn Middleton might be the 
might be the first sub on the night. Um, I like to think that the Eros might have a wee bit more uh, dribbling ability up his sleeve in terms of taking a defender on and uh, cutting inside. So um, I hope I'm right in that respect. Although if Glenn plays, I, I'm, I hope he does well and I'm sure he will uh, because he's, he's certainly a goal threat, if nothing else, as he proved over in, over in Moscow. Uh, is it a must-win game? I would say that is Colin. If we want to, if we want to make sure that we've got a chance to get through the last thirty-two going to the in the final game in Indiana, then I would say we've got to win on Thursday night. I think I would agree. I, I, I just worry going away from home in the last the last group game. You know, what I mean, I just think, especially after the Spartak game, the way the way it went. I mean, you're saying if you score, sorry, if you concede four goals, it's a shocker. I think if you score three. And don't come away with any kind of result. That that shows you how bad it is. If I was a striker that night in, in Moscow, I'd have, I'd have come off that part livid. You know, you've you've went away from home, a fairly tricky place. You've scored three goals, had a perfectly good one, chopped off, and came away with nothing. I just thought it was a real, real opportunity. Which now I agree. I think this game, if we want to have realistic possibility of, of getting through to the the knockout stages, then I I, I think we need to win it. I know you've watched from afar. You're over in Germany. Uh, Thursday could be the, the the last European home match this season. If that is the case, even although you've watched it from afar, how much have you enjoyed seeing Rangers back in that arena again? Because I have to say, it's been a bit of a highlight for me. I've loved it, probably because I've been able to take my boy his first sort of European games, and you know he's loved them, but. I, 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 I didn't realise how much I missed these nights until that night at Rapid Vienna. You know what I mean? When it, when they weren't there, when we were doing the, the, the third division and the second division and all that, I was kind of like, oh, well, no European nights, just get on with it. But that night against Rapid, I thought, no, no, I must admit, I've missed these nights. So how, how good is it to see Rangers back there? Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there's one word really goes for me, and that's pride. Really proud that the Rangers have done, go back into Europe and have done so well in Europe. And when I'm walking in the street here, uh, a lot of the talk now is is not about the Dutch teams that are not even in the Europa League, I don't think. They don't think they had a team left, um, although they've got two Champions League teams uh, still in. But they're, they're coming up to me and talking about Rangers. And no, I really enjoy that. But as you say, I'm seeing it from afar. I think David's more been in amongst the, the supporters at Ibrox. I, I think I would have, my heart would be pumping a lot more if I was in amongst the support because that that really is it's a dream for me to come back home and see see that uh, in a European game. What about yourself, David? Have you enjoyed seeing these nights back at Ibrox? Well, it goes without saying, Colin. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm like yourself. I'm uh, not that I ever took European football for granted when we were. Uh, you know, when we a squad internationals, but um, I, I just think that the whole thing we've, we've got. I mean, I've I'm, I'm probably boring people now, but we mentioned this. We've got guys in charge that know what they're doing. They, they might not have the, the the biggest transfer kitty to work from, uh, and obviously they can't they can't put a you know a crack side together overnight in, in the space of one transfer window. But as I say, we've got guys in there that know what they're doing. They've got tactics. To succeed in Europe, I think you've seen glimpses of that in the, in the three games, or certainly the, 
uh, sorry, the four games. But you've you've seen there's been elements of a playing formation and a playing style which works in European uh, arenas. Obviously, there's been a, a number of individual errors that have maybe contributed to us not getting what our play merited. Um, but I, to be back in Europe, to be walking away from Ibrox having won and the other ticket in, in their group having lost, it just it brings back to what football you know, traditionally was all about. And I, I, I echo Pete's sentiments. I've, I've been, been proud of the, of the, the, the team and the management and they've, they've put us back in the map. I just hope that they can go one stage further. And it, it, might, it, it might in the long run be detrimental to our league challenge. I hope that's not the case, but you know me, Colin, I, I want to go into every single game that we play and, and, and play to win. So um, hopefully we can hopefully we can get out of this group and and uh, and capitalise on the, the good early work that we did and, and, and no fall flat or for, you know come up short and and, uh, and bow out at this stage. I just hope that we can you know we can <laughs> we can go on our way to back here. Right, moving on again, we'll just do a wee general roundup. Obviously, I mentioned earlier on that we've kind of been off here for a couple of weeks. There was an international break, but we had some technical issues here at Jersnet, which we couldn't get around and therefore couldn't bring a podcast to you for the Motherwell game. So there's been a couple of things happened here and there that we thought we would talk about. One is this ticket controversy. Peter Law said at Celtic AGM last week that he might, not accept the 800 tickets from Rangers for the, the upcoming Old Firm game due to safety concerns, uh, which, oh, anyway, I, I don't even want to get too much into it. Pete, I'll come to you first on this one. Now, like, you know, given some of the stuff that's happened at Celtic Park in recent years, uh, the last Old Firm game when Rangers only received 800 tickets, you know, there was a serious crush outside the ground at the Celtic end, several fans were injured, taking to hospital, all that. Matt McGlone, you know, celebrity Celtic fan, uh, tried to sue Celtic for bursting his seed at Celtic Park. Uh, and three or four years ago, there was an incident where a Scotland fan actually died at Celtic Park uh, on the night of the Scotland Island game. Uh, he fell down, uh, fell down over a barrier or something like that. And that family are also trying to sue Celtic, you know, on, on the basis of safety at their ground. Now, given all that stuff that's happened at Celtic Park and the sort of safety record that, that Celtic Park has. You know, when Peter Law quotes safety concerns, he's, he's taking a piss, isn't he, really? Well, I saw photos uh, in, in, on Twitter, I think it was, uh, and it was Celtic uh, supporters getting crushed. And I think, was there not five supporters crushed quite recently in a game? So I, I don't know. As far as I can remember, I, I can't really remember any... Issues at Rangers, I mean, Hearts and, and Hibs bring quite a large support with them as well. And I've never heard of it, them complaining about any safety issues. So it's, it's obviously, uh, Wall's just uh, making speeches uh, to to try and get around other topics that are that are sort of going around his club just now. And obviously, the I believe it was at the AGM he came away with this, so he's obviously got a handful of topics at the AGM that he's not sort of wanting to push, so he's, he's pushing things like this. But um, the only thing I can think that, that a safety issue might be, and the last time I was back at Ibrox, 
Um, I was actually surprised myself to see the Kilmarnock supporters getting released and they were marched uh, along the past Ibrook, past the Sandy Jardin um, uh, stand, as I think it was, and down past the, the subway crowd and round by the Loudoun's Bar. And I was really quite surprised to see them taking that route. And whether that would be a good route to take the Celtic supporters, I don't know, because if there's 800 of them and a lot of Rangers supporters standing there, and I'm not thinking that the Celtic supporters might not be safe, I think the Rangers supporters might not be safe. So that's my sort of opinion on it. Can't really disagree with much what you said there in terms of, I mean, I don't think it would be a good idea marching Celtic fans, you know, past the sort of government stand in Portland Road past the Loudon Bar and stuff like that. I don't think that would be a good idea. In terms of, you know, the safety aspect, you know, 800 Rangers fans went to Celtic Park. I mean, I know there was some issues, but I think overall it, it went as well as it could possibly go. Uh, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there are other things at play here. David, I'll bring you in on this. New, we've got this ticket controversy. Uh, this... <laughs> Their, their new Christmas advert. Have you seen the bulk-inducing Christmas advert that they've brought out? They've also released this, you know, this self-commissioned report suggesting that Celtic are, are vital to the Scottish economy. Now, the timing of these things seems a bit suspect to me. You know, are, is this just the usual sort of PR stuff to cover up the real story that's come out of Celtic Park recently? In my opinion, yes. It's, it's just yet another. Um yeah, another instance of the PR machine swinging into action. Um, that Fraser Allender Institute report claiming that Celtic are more vital to the Scottish economy than golf, I think. I think, that's, I think there was people in the, the kind of administrative side of Scottish golf took exception to that. Um, and yeah, produced just, evidence to back it up, to be fair to them. Well, you know, it's it's all very well saying that, but you know, if if you're commissioning a report, um, I no, dare say, no, I mean, I mean, the golf people, the, 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 they produced figures that proved that, that Celtic are more important to the Scottish economy. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. right. Sorry, I, I miss, I, I, I misunderstood you. There. Right, I mean, that, that just shows you how how contrived the whole thing is. I mean, the, the, for for um, for for them even come out with that. I mean, it just shows you the, the, the levels that they'll stoop to. I think they, they, they clearly see um, everybody as a mark, you know, uh, that they're going to swallow this, this nonsense that, you know, Celtic are, are vital to the Scottish economy. I, I, I dare say that they do generate income. Um, how vital that is to the, to the country's economy, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, well, I'm, to, just, I'm, just, I'm just seeing a figure there produced from Graham uh, our sound guy, he's produced some figures here. 165 million Celtic said in that report. Uh, the golf is worth 1.1 billion. So right. you know, right. I thought I thought you know golf is is as an economic driver in terms of tourism in this country. So for them to come away with that, it just shows you. Um, but the, the point I was trying to make was that you know if you're commissioning a report, it doesn't matter who's writing it. You know, you're paying for said report, so you're going to you're going to influence what's contained in the report. Uh, and aye, the, the the big thing with regards to that story that that, that I take exception to, Colin, is that the cynicism of that was there for all to see. 
And yet no one, and I mean no one, to the best of my knowledge, within the Scottish media, so fit to write an opinion piece or whatever, or maybe they, you know, they're, they're asked for their, their comments on uh, maybe a, a current affairs show in the evening TV slots, if they were discussing uh, that topic, to actually call them in and say, you know, that's, that's just, it's total cynicism to deflect away from other stories which have been in the press recently, which, you know, because of um, certain uh, legal ramifications have disappeared at the, the public eye. So, ah, you, it's, you're, you're suggesting there it's, it's, it's totally contrived. It's the usual deflection tactics um, instigated by the, the Celtic PR machine. And to be frank, you know, quite frank, you wouldn't expect anything less. If they, they weren't responding in the way that they're doing, you, you you know, the more uh, more curious amongst us would, have, would be wondering what, what are they up to? How come they're not reverting <laughs> to type? You know, aye. so um, aye, it's just just typical law and typical Celtic. But I think they can revert to type, David, because as you pointed out, they're allowed to do it. You know, I mean, no one really calls them out on it, and I I just found the whole thing a bit, you know, a bit odd. I mean, it's I know it's not odd for Rangers to be one of the main topics at Celtic AGM. But surely the time to raise any safety concerns around having 800 tickets at Ibrox instead of the normal 7,000 or whatever it is, is when this decision was made. But that wasn't the message that came out at Celtic Park at the time. The, the message that came out at Celtic was, oh, this is, you know, it diminishes the fixture, it diminishes the spectacle, it's this, it's that. There was no mention of safety concerns. So, yeah, I, I, I found that quite uh, a convenient route to go down considering some of the traffic that you know that's floating about Celtic Park at the moment, and like you, I found it a bit distasteful. No, it's barefaced cheap, Colin. Yeah. You, you, you say that to get back to the you know the, the safety concerns. I mean, he's he's got some neck on him. You think about it. There's been issues at, at their place. Um, the, the the place has fallen apart. I mean, there's there's ducting held up with Enzo tape in that top tier of the. the the old Rangers end, the Jamesfield Street end, and you're, and he, he's coming out, coming away with, with safety concerns over the building, and yeah. and you know, and then it's Pete saying there that the cops, I mean, what are the cops, what are the cops hoping to gain from marching Commander fans in the route that he just described there? I mean, if Commander buses parked on the the city side of Ibrox as opposed to the the Govan side, you know, I would have thought Commander buses would have been parked in Drumlin Road. Yeah. If there was any, you know, you would know that there'd be a heck of a lot of command up buses. I mean, so aye, the, 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 the whole thing, you're just, you're, you're looking at it and you're, yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less. That's, it's the way these people operate and if, if people choose to swallow it, that's the, the, the big thing for me. You know, they, they, they see me have carte blanche. There, there doesn't seem to be anyone willing to stand up to them. I don't know what the reasons behind that are, but. You know, the dignified silence. Ah, you mean it's it's probably, you know, in many respects the correct thing to do and the correct way to operate. But in some instances, you need to call it behaviour that's, 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 that appeals to the lowest common denominator. You've got to call it that. I think sometimes the thing that annoys me about Celtic is they're just not prepared to hold their hands up every now and again and go, actually, aye. You know what I mean? Uh, and and to me, that's what they should have done with the, the issue that's sort of floating about. But in terms of Peter Lowell's neck, I know why he's got so much neck. It's because he stole James Forrest. <laughs> yeah. The thing is as well, though, they've, they've got people in the media 
to push their their gen agenda through. I mean, the, the the papers, nearly every journalist won't attack them. I think there's only about one journalist that, that's ever sort of a, attacked them. Uh, they've got that I, all tied up. I think I think in terms of the the, the the issue we're talking about, there's only one, in my opinion, that's made it head on, and that's the guy who instigated the whole thing, which is Mark Daly. Uh, outside of him, I don't see anyone who's really picked this issue up and went with it. And when you consider the, the one thing I was wondering at one point is where's where's the boy Alex Thompson? You know, when when Rangers were going through the whole tax business, he was he was doorstep in Ibrox. He was there every single day. You know, calling us this and calling us that. And, you know, and the, the the nature of the story that's sort of coming out of Celtic at the moment. To me. Somebody like Alex Thompson would say, "Well, that, that's a, given my interest in Scottish football. Apparently, you know, that's a story of some interest to me." But he's he's not been anywhere near it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't like going on about it too much because it's it's not the best of subjects. But there is something in in how Celtic have handled their, their PR recently that seems to me that it's just pure deflection. But you know, that is what it is. We need real journalists, Colin. We need the Boston Globe spotlight team. <laughs> they could do the business where that's concerned. Yeah, well, it's uh, they need something, that's for sure. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll get away from that. We'll have a wee look at the, the football again. Obviously, we discussed earlier on that you know December's going to be quite a tricky month uh, for Rangers. We've, we've got Hearts at Tynecastle next week, although Hearts have took a wee slip recently. And probably more confident going into that than maybe I would have been three, four weeks ago. Celtic are obviously on League Cup final duty. If, if we win, we're top of the league, which, you know, if you'd offered me that at the start of the season, come December, you go top of the league, still in Europe. I'd be delighted with that. Uh, fixtures in, in December also include Aberdeen at home, Hibs at home and away, St. Johnson away, and Celtic at home. David, this feels like a vital month for me. How does it feel for you? I can cut wholeheartedly, Colin. It's, it's a vital period of the season for us. Um, we've obviously got to go to Tyncastle next weekend. That's a that's a must win. If you want to win titles, you've got to go to Tyncastle and win. Um, then we've got Aberdeen uh, at home on a Wednesday. A, a chance to get one back in them for the, the League Cup semi-defeat. Uh, we've got to take maximum points there. Um, then we've got, I think we've got games at, um, at Dens. Uh, and then I think we're at home to, to Hamilton before we, we tackle Hibs. So, yeah, those fixtures that you've outlined, they're all going to be tricky. Hibs have had a, a wee dip in form uh, there of late. They've, they've slipped into the mid-table. They dropped two points at home against Indira on Saturday. Uh, didn't look that clever at the back uh, from what I saw the highlights. So, yeah, we've, we've got a number of points to play for there and if if we can can amass close to maximum return on those fixtures then I think we'll be in with a shout getting into the winter break and if that can uh, run in parallel with hopefully getting into the last 32 of Europe that would that would represent a, an excellent first half of the season in my book Oh absolutely absolutely yeah, I, would, I would agree with that Pete after, after these fixtures in, in December which as David's pointed out, you know, they, they, they look quite tricky. And if we come out of them relatively unscathed, you know, you were totally in a good position. Then the winter break, 
and then we've got Kelly away and Livingston away. Now I know Livy again have took a wee took a wee dip recently, but you know Kelly's still going pretty well. You know, is the title challenge officially on? If we come through December and then those two games in January on the first day of February, if if, if we're still in the hunt round about then, is the title challenge officially on? Do you think? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd just like to add to the the, the point David made is that uh, Hibs are obviously. Uh, it doesn't matter what forum they're in when Rangers come to town it's a, a game of 90 minutes forum really goes out the window after that um, to answer your question uh, obviously if we can stay in front and it would, it would be great to beat Celtic that, that would really put us in the driving seat but even if we can uh, get to the top of the league on Sunday as it we're playing yeah. um, then uh then it's going to put pressure on Celtic. It's it's, it's it's a pressure that they were thinking that this time they would probably be five, six, seven points in front. But then they'll find themselves uh, points behind. And well, it'll be one point behind. Uh, so it puts a pressure on them. And even though they'll have a game in hand, they've still got to win that game in hand and it puts a pressure, pressure on them to do that. Um, yeah, as I say, the games against Kelly away and Livingston away, unfortunately, it's on the dreaded plastic pitches. So hopefully that doesn't, hopefully we've sort of learned from that and we can put in a better performance, especially against Livingston, because, uh, yeah, that was, although I don't, I'm not going to go back into the whether these pitches should be allowed or not, because I think I've covered that one in a... We've done well against Kilmarnock in the League Cup over there, so you know that gives you a wee bit of hope. Uh, and obviously, come that time, we might have done some business in the in, in the January window, so we might have been strengthened a wee bit. So, yeah, I, I think if we get through the next six weeks relatively unscathed, then you know it's probably the first time in a number of years we've been on the the back nine of a season, so to speak. Still, you know. And the hunt, and as you say, I don't think Celtic have been asked that question. Certainly Brendan Rodgers, Celtic, has, has not been asked that question over the last few years. And it's then how they react. You know, they might up the game and might deal with it, but they might not. So I think the next six weeks, I, I think they could be pretty vital. On the January, uh, January transfer window, sorry, how are the two years feeling? Mark Allen sort of suggested that Rangers are going to prioritise and an attacking option in, in January. Stephen Gerrard's been on record saying he wants a natural number 10. I have to think I, I, I agree with that. What about yourselves? Would, would you think the priorities are in January have to bring new faces in? Well, um, I think we need probably two players, in my opinion. I think well, we, we certainly need... Yeah, Lafferty just doesn't do it for me. Um, I know he's not had a lot of game time, but... Yeah, even his first time at Rangers, he didn't really do it for me. So I wasn't really wanting him to come back. I, I mean, I, I said at the time I would rather have Naismith than, than Lafferty. But um, so I really think we need a striker, a second striker that can, uh, that can, uh, if Morelos, God forbid, does get injured, that we need somebody to fill in there. Uh, and I also think we need a midfielder that can control a game because Ejaria, He's great at sometimes, 
but other times the likes of uh, the second half and against Livingston, he just disappeared. He just wasn't, and even on these good games, I know I know a lot of people are really crazy on him, but I just think he twists and he turns so much that all the all the the speed is out and attack. He just uh, once he gets the ball, he just turns and turns and turns. Yeah, I, I do think he he can release it. I think he could release it a wee bit sooner at times. I must admit. I don't think he's had that many assists. I think he's was it, he scored one one goal and had maybe one or two assists. So it, it, for all the games, all the minutes he's had, he's not really proven. And, and he is an attacking midfielder, so he's not really a, a proven to be giving us what 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 is on the paper. What about yourself, David? Is, where do you think Rangers should prioritise in January? Yeah, man, I, I largely recommend echo you. Guy's sentiments. Um, I, as I've been on record on the, the pod before, we've, I see a, a major issue in, in creating chances. Um, you saw on Saturday there, there was there wasn't a heck of a lot created. Kyle Lafferty was feeding in scraps. Um, Glenn Middleton, I mean, he's a young lad. We can't expect him to finish the article, but he can going forward. He he possibly could be a one-trick pony when it comes to being a, a winger. Uh, he's not got... He's, he's direct. He, he likes to take guys on, but he's not he's no a dribbler. His game's based on pace. Um, obviously, Eris Gresda, we've yet to see the best at Eros. Uh, and Daniel Kandias, he can be a wee bit hit and miss when it comes to actually creating chances. So, obviously, they've identified that, you know, that Bonafide number 10 um, could be the answer to solve some of their, their attacking ills, if you like. I totally agree with what uh, Pete's mentioned there about, about Alfie. We need backup for Alfie. Um, I would, again, I, I, I would concur with, with, with Pete saying there, I think we, we need we need a, a genuine midfielder that can control a game. We've got, some, we've got some good players. Ryan Jack's a good player. I, I still think there's more to come from him. I think uh, Lasana Kula Bali, he's not been quite the same player since he came back for his injury, which could lead fans uh, down the road. I think, well, maybe that's why Onger let him go in loan. Uh, Ovi Ajaria, as, as Pete's mentioned there, he's uh, in some games going forward, you could. You could level a criticism at him about about flattering to deceive. He does he does sometimes put too much work on the ball and, and he can hold up attacks and, and it doesn't release it quickly enough. But you could say that for a lot of, a lot of the players. Um, I still think he's a good footballer. I don't think that he's necessarily been played in his 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 best position. I think they've we've seen maybe not so much in the last couple of games, but they're maybe in the, over the last six weeks or so. Um, Scott Arfield, Lasana Cooler Bali, and Ove, they've been rotating in the middle of the park. I don't know whether that was tactical, that's what I could see anyway. So, I th- personally, I think Ove's better suited to that kind of number 10 or in the whole role, if you like. Um, whether he's got, the, he's got the, the necessary tools to perform at a level that we would require, again, that's open to debate. He's, he's obviously still a young lad, he's not played a lot of first team football. But, um, I would like to see them get a, a a genuine quality midfielder, a midfield general, if you like. I don't think Ryan Jack, as good as Ryan Jack is and as good as he could be in the future, a lot of people saying that is Ryan Jack good enough to start to play for Rangers? And 
Um, even though he, he puts on solid performances, there's, there's just something lacking for Ryan's game. Um, I don't think he's, he's quite got the overall game he control a midfield. Although I'm not saying that he, you know, that he, he has done it in instances, but he can do it consistently and that's what you need at Rangers. You need somebody that's going to take the game by the scruff of the net and I think that could be another area where they could possibly do some business in. But the, the managers came out and said that the, you know, there's going to be a good chance that there'll not be a lot of activity in the transfer transfer window. So maybe their budget has got them hamstrung and the availability of players will mean that there'll not be a lot of movement. But hopefully maybe that's just a red turn that they're throwing out to agents uh, and clubs uh, that they're maybe not going to be as active in the market that, that they actually might end up being. So we'll, we'll need to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple of names doing the rounds. Uh, I'll run them past both years and you've just give me a yes or no. Stephen Davis? Yes, from me. Pete? On loan. Um, I prefer a young Stephen Davis. I don't I, I don't really like going down this road of buying uh, old players back just because of what they've done. Uh, no, so, so for me, no. I would rather we went out and bought a young Stephen Davis. So you'll, you'll obviously not go for the next name then, Charlie Adams, so I know for you then. Oh, definitely. Can I just can I just say that the likes of um, Ajax, they went out and they they, they went to uh, Willem II uh, last year and they bought that guy, uh, what's he called, in the, in the middle of the park, and they're talking now that he's worth about 80 million uh, euros. And that that was just a guy he was hardly noticed in the in in, in the Willem Two team, so that's I would prefer we went out and got that kind of players. Another Morelos. I mean, these players out they are there. We just got to find them. Yeah, there's high risk though doing that, isn't it? You know, you you take. I think Celtic have had a, a wee bit of luck in some of some of that, but they've also had a huge amount of boys that they've brought brought in that you know just haven't you know done the business. But you don't hear about them. They focus on the ones that you know, your, your Van Dykes and all the rest of them. They focus on the ones that do work, but there's quite a lot that Celtic bring in that don't. So I think it's that's a hit and miss strategy. Uh, what about you, David? Charlie Adam? Uh, I'm probably going to surprise a few people here. I, I would bring Charlie Adam back. Assuming that he's fit and you're going to get half a season of him, I, I would bring Charlie Adam back. He's going to he'll have experience. He's got tremendous passing range, uh, a dead ball expert. I think he'd have something to prove. I think he's. Uh, I think that uh, Charlie would be hyper motivated to win the League of Rangers because he he didn't do it when he was he was on our books um, before. He wasn't in the he wasn't in the team as much. You uh, may you may well have picked up a medal, but it wasn't a, you know he wasn't a, a permanent fixture in the team if you like. So I think if he was to come up the road and play and uh, fire his or help fire his towards a a 55th title, I think that could possibly be a, be a good move, but I, I, I wouldn't sign him permanently, Colin. It would need to be in loan. So two on loans and two no's for, for Pete. Uh, talk about Solanke. There was talk of him in the summer there uh, for the, you know, up front. Uh, David, yes or not? In a word, yes. Pete? In a word, I don't know him enough. I've never seen him playing. So, so I, can't, I can't really give an answer on him. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's why I love you, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Right, moving on to the final part of the show, which is CFCO of the Week. I believe you've got one for us, Pete, what you got? Yeah, there was, uh, last week it was before the, the Kilmarnock game for the Chris Boyd testimonial. Um, 
the youth player at Rangers, Andy Dallas, was was playing, and the Celtic supporters thought that it was Andy Dallas, the referee. And <laughs> on the on Twitter, they they put ah, just like his old man, staunch to the core. This would not happen in any other country in the world. <laughs> only let Scotland, only, only Scotland lets referees that support a team officiate their games. So as an optimist, I hope you break your leg. And then he goes on to say a few words that I won't repeat. Who's are they, the re- are they of, a, of a sectarian nature, Pete? They're of a very sectarian nature, yeah. Oh, oh see, I thought they didn't do sectarianism, but there we go. There yeah. we go. Just shows you. Yeah, and then at the end up it says, who's the ref, Willie? And that word again, that sectarian <laughs> word. And then young at the end of it. Uh, so yeah. I really thought that was, uh, that was really good. Is it rhyming slang? Is that what you're telling us? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Rhymes, right. With, rhymes with none. <laughs> A blue none at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Thanks for joining us here on the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. That's all we've got time for this week. A big thanks to David Fraser and David Thomason for their contributions. Excellent stuff as always. A big thanks also to our sound engineer, Graham, who's had a horrific couple of weeks. Uh, I think he bought his audio gear for a guy doing the barras wearing green and white hoops. So he's learned a lesson and bought some decent gear. So hopefully the podcast will continue uninterrupted from here on in. There'll be a podcast out next week, obviously. We've got the Villarreal game coming up on Thursday. Hearts game on Sunday. So there'll be a pod out the foot following those two games, covering those. In the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Lots of great stuff on there, match previews, articles, you name it. And, of course, there's the forums, just lots of Rangers fans talking about Rangers, which, you know, at the end of the day, what else do you want? So until the next time, I will see you again, and thanks for joining us. (laughs) 